Girlfriends, episode number 130, Grow in Everyday Holiness. Hello and welcome to Girlfriends. I'm Danielle Bean. I'm a wife and a mom, and I'm on a mission to help you know your worth as a woman so you can find peace, balance, and joy in family living. Today we're talking about small ways to grow in everyday holiness. I know I need help. Let's get started. Hey, girlfriends, how are you? Coming to you from the Tiki Hut this morning. It's actually a little later in the day. We're on a relaxed summer schedule here, and it happens to be happy anniversary to me and Dan. It's our 24th wedding anniversary today, and um, we have nothing actually very special planned, and that's okay. We've been doing family things through the weekend, and I'm home after a week of being away recording the gist. Perhaps you can hear it in my voice. I was so sick. This is so crazy. I mean, so I was going to spend Monday through Friday in Boston last week recording the gist. And as I was driving down really early Monday morning, I started to feel like all of a sudden itchy, watery eyes, like instantly congested and just you know, really bad, I thought, having a really bad allergic reaction, which happens to me, you know, I do these things. Uh, not a lot, but I was like, what horrible timing. So I was, I didn't have any um, allergy medication with me and I haven't been taking any regularly because it hasn't been an issue for me. So I stopped at uh, Walgreens and got Claritin. They call it Walletin. So clever. Um, anyway, and Benadryl. I think they called it Walladryl. Anyway, um, and so I took Benadryl and then drove to the studio, just still feeling pretty darn miserable. And then when the Benadryl kicked in, by the time I got there, I was feeling really tired too. Like, you know, I take that stuff when I'm having trouble going to sleep. So that wasn't the best plan, but I was kind of in a panic. Like, I need to stop this. I'm going to be on TV. So felt pretty tired and pretty sick on that first day and thought it was just allergies or whatever. Um, but we muddled through it and I'm hoping it's not going to show up too much in season eight of the gist. I, I you know, I, everybody told me I, I looked fine and sounded fine. I didn't have a voice like I have now. I sounded okay. Anyway, got through that day. And then that night at the hotel, I just went to bed early and woke up in the middle of the night with a horrible fever I mean, just sweating and just so feverish and achy and just like, oh my gosh. And then I realized I'm so dumb. I am really sick. And this is something that was going through my household. And I thought I had escaped it so much so that it didn't even occur to me that it might be the virus that my family has been suffering from for the last two weeks. Anyway, so then at least I knew what I was dealing with and I could take regular cold medicine plus ibuprofen for the fever I just went through the whole week like that, just um, on cold meds. And actually, I felt much better once I was on, what is it, the Dayquil, Wallatril. I don't know what they call it. (laughs) Anyway, um, but so I got through the week like that. And it really wasn't miserable. I mean, I would have preferred to not have that obstacle in my week of recording television. You know, we do the entire season in these five days. So it was kind of like I should be at my best, but really wasn't. Um, But I I think it worked out fine. Anyway, I was really happy with the shows that we did. And um, it wasn't until the last day that I really started to lose my voice and have to really be drinking a lot of tea and drinking a ton of water just to be able to record the last few episodes um, 
not the episodes, the the last few interviews that were scheduled for that day. So hopeful that my lack of voice didn't affect the season too much. But I also had the opportunity to um, host their live show on the last day that I was there. This is the day. And that's available online if you want to check it out. It was fun to do with Jay Fadden. And at the end of the episode, um, Rachel Balducci, who's a co-host on The Gist With Me, was still there in studio. So we brought her out. And then Laura, who is our show's producer, who does so much work behind the scenes, and we're so proud of her. And she's engaged and getting married in the fall. And it was really nice to be able to give her that recognition that day. So um, wrapped up a season inside of five days. And it was epic as usual. (laughs) I really love getting the chance to once a year, um, not only connect with people at Catholic TV, I'm usually there other times during the year as well, but um, connect with Rachel as well, who I go way back with, way back to the early days of the internet, way back to the early days of blogging. We both were um, kind of doing family style blogging, which wasn't, um, which, which wasn't a very popular genre. And in the beginning, it was more like apologetics and politics and that sort of thing. But, you know, back then I was just blogging at daniellebean.com. She was blogging at testosterhome.net and we were just sharing everyday life, sharing our family lives and trying to be positive about it. And, you know, um, share and commiserate about all the struggles and, and joys, the unique joys and challenges of Catholic family life. So anyway, Rachel and I go way back. So it's fun to spend that time with her every year. And this year was no different. That was so great to be able to do that. But right now, um, so back at home and I had a, a day and then this horrible heat started. I mean, I say horrible, but I actually love the heat. New Hampshire doesn't get heat like this for very long or for very often. Um, it's so funny. The dog keeps running through. This is Apollo. My, my German short hair pointer keeps racing through the Tiki hut. It like makes a nice little circle run for him. So when he gets wild, he can just go around in circles, but there's sand here in the Tiki hut. And every time he races by, he's kicking up sand all over me and my computer. So not appreciating that. But anyway, um, just wanted to explain my distraction. <laughs> anyway, so we're having this heat wave and I love it. And I also don't love it. I love the fact that we don't have central air in the house. So you really do feel the heat, which, you know, if you live down south, you're like, are you crazy? But no, um, we have we have um, AC in the bedrooms, at least. So that's good. And um, my son's girlfriend, Ambrose's girlfriend, is visiting for a couple of days. And it's the first time we've met her. And she's lovely. And we spent yesterday at the ocean, which was great. It's our first actual family trip to the ocean of the summer. We usually go a few times. Um, It takes us just a little less than two hours to get to the ocean. So we usually go in Maine. We have a favorite beach there where we love to go. And it was just like the perfect beach day yesterday, which was um, a Sunday. And just absolutely perfect weather Everybody got a little bit sunburned, which is how you know it's a good beach day. We stopped and um, got dinner together at a restaurant on the way back. And you know what? We so rarely do that anymore. And actually, thank goodness, because there are 12 of us, we could not afford to. I don't know how we... I guess we just didn't go out when the kids are little (laughs) or they ate less or something. But anyway, it was really nice to be able to do that because it's been a long time since we did like a family day where everybody was there and people came from different directions. My son Eamon was up north camping with friends and he managed to come by for a little bit in the afternoon and then go to dinner with us. And, you know, as my kids are getting older, and I think I've talked about this before, I just treasure those moments more and more. It's just, you know, nothing special. 
it's just everyday stuff, uh, regular stuff, just going to the beach and having dinner together. But it was just so meaningful to me because I'm aware of how few and far between those opportunities are to have everybody in the same place. And um, so I'm just grateful for it. So that was really really fun to do. And uh, before we get started with today's topic, I just want to give a shout out to the Catholic Momcast, which is the podcast I work on with Lisa Hendy for CatholicMom.com. If you don't already subscribe, consider subscribing. I'm going to put a link in the show notes to this episode and check it out. Sometimes we interview people. Sometimes it's just me and Lisa talking about topics. You know, I love to do the girlfriend's podcast like this when it's just me talking to you, but I also love to have conversations and that's what I get to do with Lisa. And Lisa, if you don't know her, and how can you not know Lisa Hendy? I mean, she is like the Catholic mom. She's founder of CatholicMom.com, which is now currently my place of work where I'm working full time and um, just a dear friend of mine. But I love that she's just a little bit more ahead in the game. You know, her kids are out of the house and she can share from a slightly different perspective sometimes, a little bit more experience or, you know, just a, a voice from the road ahead. I always appreciate that. And I love the perspective she shares. And we have young moms listening who share their questions. So we talk about topics of interest to young moms, but also more, you know, middle-aged or empty nester types of questions, things about marriage. So be sure to check that out. It's called the Catholic Momcast Conversations About Faith, Family, and Fun, featuring me and Lisa Hendy, just talking about everyday stuff, sometimes interviewing cool people. So check out that link in the show notes. Okay, today we're talking about how to grow in everyday holiness. Now, this is a phrase that's kind of been with me everyday holy, you know, everyday holiness. And it, it's kind of been with me for a little while, this concept of everyday holiness. Um, and I'll, I'll share a little bit more about what it means to me. But I was so envious when I saw Melanie Schenkel, who's a um, Protestant author, very popular lady, um, came out with a book just this past spring called Everyday Holy. And it really, it's like a page a day, I think. Oh no, it's a hundred reflections um, on everyday holiness. And um, and I was, I when I saw the phrase, I'm like, wait, that's my phrase. But of course it's not my phrase. I just do really identify with it. And um, anyway, I, the book is, I'm not recommending the book. I'm not not recommending the book, but it's not, what I, not really the concept that I'm going for here, talking about everyday holiness. And what I mean by it is really this idea that sometimes we as Catholics can put saints on a pedestal, like literally put a saint on a pedestal, like, you know, a statue. And then we run the risk of turning them into this kind of perfect, inanimate creature, right? That doesn't move and isn't real and never struggled and just has the halo over their head. And I think that's really a, a dangerous thing to do because then we kind of put holiness and sainthood in a separate category from our own lives. Like that is actually not a realistic goal, right? We kind of start to think that way. Not a realistic goal for me or for my family, but uh, whoops, we're supposed to have that as our goal for ourselves and our families. And so we are not allowed to say it's impossible. Um, but I think what's really helpful is to think about the idea of holiness being an everyday thing. And by everyday, I just mean like, it's how you're living. It's a part of your life. It's real. It's right in front of your face. It's not something you have to go outside of yourself to find. It's not something you have to go outside of your life to find. Sometimes that's the temptation. Like, well, I know I do this sometimes like, oh, I'll be holy when, you know, fill in the blank when the kids grow up and move out. I used to sometimes think that like, what a great spiritual life I'm going to have when I'm a little old lady and I have all this time. 
you're supposed to have that right now. It's not going to look the same as perhaps a little old lady who has tons of time, but you're supposed to have that spiritual life right now. So look for how it's supposed to happen in your everyday. So this idea of putting saints on a pedestal and thinking it's some unattainable thing is, you know, really not an option for us. We need to be looking for holiness in our everyday lives. And that means starting right where you are right now in whatever you're doing as you're listening to this podcast, whatever you're going to do the minute it's over, whatever your life is calling you to do, you're called to holiness inside of that work, inside of that place. So let's talk about what that can look like. I've just got five different ideas that I want to share with you. And I'm not sharing this with you because I'm already a saint on a pedestal and I've got it all figured out. But like I said, this is a concept I've been thinking about and trying to be um, kind of deliberate and intentional about. And these are some things that have kind of helped me grow in my idea of the ways in which God's calling me to holiness inside of my everyday. Okay, so the first one, and I've talked about this before on the podcast, is look for ways to serve. You know, I talked before on the podcast, I think during Lent, I shared that I was trying to grow into that idea of having a servant's heart because somebody had recently referred to me as someone who has a servant's heart. And that sat funny with me. Like, I don't think I do have a servant's heart. I think I struggle a lot with that idea of always being willing to serve others and put others first. Um, And, um, you know, at the time I shared that I thought it was a little bit out of self-preservation because the years where you are focused on your family and you've got a million little kids under your, under your roof and, and not everybody's there and not everybody ever will have a stage like that. But, you know, at whatever stage in your life where you're overwhelmed, you do sometimes have to kind of not be looking for other ways to serve outside of your home. You have to be limiting in what you're willing to give to friendships and outside commitments. And I think I kind of got into that MO in a way that maybe didn't apply to my life anymore. Um, I, I had a a girlfriend and this kind of opened my eyes to it who I knew inside of a conversation really could use a longer conversation. We kind of met up in a place and we're only going to get like five minutes to talk. And this is a person who I am never going to get anything out of. Do you know what I mean? I mean, this is like, this is not, um, it's a friendship where this person has a hard life, I think, and really can use a listening ear for the most part. I'm not going to be able to fix her life. Um, but for the most part, that's, that's what she needs. That's what I can give her. That's how I can help her. In the past, I used to try to help her and I got exhausted and depleted from trying to do that and not succeeding. And, um, so I realized here's an opportunity to serve And it's going to take just giving a little bit of myself by being willing to give some time, meaning call her up, tell her you're coming over, tell her you want to meet her at the park or whatever. Um, So opportunities like that is what I'm talking about, looking for opportunities to serve like, um, you know, and, and that doesn't mean. It doesn't mean anything, you know, super fancy, like I have to be signing up to volunteer somewhere. This can for sure happen in your own home and family. Um, Just this morning, as I was thinking about recording this podcast, I was making breakfast for myself because I was the only one up. And um, so I was making a cheese omelet and it was nearly done. And then my son, Stephen, who's 16, was kind of uh, walking through the kitchen. And I, I thought to myself, and this will happen the more you open yourself up to it. I had a thought. I should give him this breakfast and then and then make my own. Um, of course, he is completely willing and able to make his own breakfast. He's a 16-year-old boy. Um, but I thought this is an opportunity to serve and to make a loving gesture toward him. So I said, okay. Um, so I listened to that little voice. And the more you train yourself to listen, the more you will hear it and the more you'll be able to answer it. Um, 
So I just offered him that omelet and he was really pleased to get it. And he even afterwards came up to me and said, thank you for breakfast. And, you know, really simple thing to do, really dumb. I mean, what does it take five minutes to make an omelet? That's all that that cost me and delaying my own breakfast a little bit. But it was an opportunity to serve, an opportunity to put somebody else before you. And like I said, it can happen in your everyday life. For some of you, you might be in a stage where you're thinking, that's all I do. And I get it. I get it. So, um, you know, the, maybe your challenge, if you feel like that's all you ever do, um, is to change your attitude around about it and look at those as opportunities. Look at those as something you get to do when you when you see those moments. Um, so looking for ways to serve, looking for ways to be worthy of that description of having a servant's heart looking for ways that, um, you know, people in your life, and it could be everybody from, you know, your baby whose who's diaper you change to your spouse, something that they need, to a girlfriend, to somebody in your community, to an official volunteering type of um, position or something like that. But looking for ways to serve because, you know, Jesus shows us his, his example of when he washes his disciples' feet, This is what he did. He didn't come to be served. And I think sometimes we can fall into that habit of trying to figure out how to get through our lives without having to serve, trying to figure out how to get through our lives and have everybody else serve us. So really just, I I want you to think a little bit. I want to encourage you to think a little bit about the ways in which you can serve, the ways in which maybe you've been falling short of this ideal of being a servant to others, because this is how God is calling you to grow in everyday holiness. Okay, my number two way is pray your morning offering. I know, I know, this is dumb. This is so simple. And yet we can fall out of the habit of doing it. And so get in that habit of turning your entire day over to God. If you can, before you even get out of bed, this is what I try to do when my alarm rings or whenever I wake up, before I get out of bed, and I I try to train myself to have God be my first thought. Like, um, you know, you can just... Tell God you love him first thing in the morning or tell God, thank you for another day. If you wake up and you're breathing and you're living and you're in your bed, Um, you know, before you even open your eyes, perhaps have a thought toward God. Give yourself that opportunity to practice that way of turning your heart toward God first thing in the morning. And I think that really sets the pace for your entire day. And you can have a memorized morning offering. I'll put um, the one that I say in the show notes if you don't even know where to start to say a morning offering. But it can be easy. It can be just as simple as saying, Jesus, I love you and I give you this day. That's it. Oh, you said a morning offering. Congratulations. So it's that simple. But I find that really turning your day over to God from the very beginning is something that can affect the way you are throughout the rest of the day and affect your your perspective and your attitude. Because too often, I know I've fallen into the habit of like, oh my gosh, like hit snooze on the alarm and just lie there and think about all you have to do that day, things that you're dreading that day. That's a terrible way to start your day. So much more positive and so much more effective and efficient is to turn your day over to God from the very beginning, because that's all we ever need to be doing is giving of ourselves to God, giving back to God, serving God by serving others in our lives. And do that first thing in the morning and you'll set the pace for your entire day. And that doesn't mean you're going to have a perfect day. It doesn't mean you're always going to be perfectly uh, generous and holy about every challenge that comes your way, but it's starting your day in the right way. And if you have time for morning prayer, if you have time for more than that, great. 
all the more effective it will be if you can spend time first thing in the morning or, you know, after your shower, if that's what you prefer or something, sitting down with a cup of coffee and, you know, maybe reading the readings of the day or something like that. But be conscious of the way you're starting your day and consciously give it over to God from the very beginning. All right. So then the third one is kind of a connection to that one, which is talk to God all day. Don't just talk to him in the morning. And I find that the morning offering is actually a really effective way to transition into doing this. If you have like set aside prayer time and then you are guilty, as I have been, of just not even really thinking much about God the other parts of your day, then you can fix that by using your morning offering. I found that just by being more conscious um, throughout your day, and you can do this if you really think you're going to be bad at it. You can set an alarm on your phone to go off every hour and just, you know, say, say, repeat your morning offering repeat that intention to give your whole day to God and give to God whatever it is you're doing at that point. Um, But you could just get in the habit of every time you're beginning a new activity saying your morning offering and, uh, you know, really just very consciously giving that work over to God. Um, I found that getting in the habit of saying, repeating my morning offering during challenging moments, like, you know, somebody's juice spills all over the floor right as you're trying to get out the door or whatever it is, Um, you know, something like that, that's like an unexpected challenging moment, disappointment or discouragement. Anytime you're feeling that kind of negative emotion in your day, frustration, um, that just repeating my morning offering and very consciously giving that over to God, I found was a very helpful way to kind of train my brain to be reconnecting with God throughout the day. It's great if you have set aside time for prayer, if you go to mass, if you say the rosary, if you have morning prayers, nighttime prayers, whatever it is you're doing, that's all great. But really, God wants to be a part of your everyday, everyday holiness. He wants to be a part of every minute of every day, everything that you're ever doing. And so I find that this is a really helpful way to do that. So just repeat your morning offering and then get in the habit of repeating your morning offering during happy moments in your day. This is something that I I found really eye-opening once I began to kind of cultivate this habit, not just when you're disappointed or upset or hurt. You know, of course, God wants us to to give over those sacrifices and our sufferings and to unite them with him. But he also wants to be with us in our joys and being grateful to God and turning to God in those moments is so important. And you really do grow in your connection to him if you do cultivate the habit of turning to God in your everyday happy moments, as well as the sad ones, as well as the hurt ones, the times when you have joy, unexpected joy, or something you're especially grateful for. And it can be something as simple as, you know, just some special time you might enjoy with your toddler or a a positive conversation you have with your teen or, you know, a happy connection inside of your marriage or, um, you know, or something positive that happens with your work. Any of those little things that just make you smile throughout the day that you feel grateful for, get in the habit of repeating your morning offering or at least repeating some small prayer of bringing it back to God and thanking God for it. I think it's so important that we do that because, you know, then once you've done that, if you're turning toward God in first thing in the morning, giving your whole day to God, and then you're working on the habit of turning to God inside of all the challenges you face throughout your day, and then inside of all the joys you face throughout your day, that's a lot. That's a lot of turning toward God inside of the everyday moments and sharing it with him. And the more you do that, you the more your relationship with him becomes real, the more it becomes, you know, remember Jesus is a human being. He wants a human relationship with you. So turn to him as a human being in your shared humanity and connect with him through that. Connect with him through all the good and the bad stuff. 
Um, so anyway, just turning to God throughout your day, cultivating that habit where it doesn't mean you have to be on your knees in prayer all day. But I've talked before about, you know, that beautiful gospel about Mary and Martha, how Mary in that scene is sitting at Jesus's feet. She's choosing the better part, he tells us. So let's choose that better part. That doesn't mean you have to be, you know, sitting in prayer, silent prayer all day, every day, but inside of your own heart and mind, you can be sitting at Jesus's feet every minute of the day and just turn toward him. Just be aware of his presence in your life and be, be grateful to what God gives you and offer up to Jesus those moments that are, are hurtful or where you're suffering or it's hard. And he becomes a, you know, a real connection for you through that. Not some storybook character, but somebody that you're really growing in that everyday kind of relationship, everyday holiness. Okay, so those are the first three. Then um, the fourth one, Okay, this is something I've been trying to work on is choose the worst job. And this is something that um, I, I don't know where I saw it. There was a list of, you know, I think it was like tips for holiness. I, she probably didn't call it that from Mother Teresa, but it was like, um, you know, just advice from Mother Teresa. And I think it was ways to grow in humility. And one of the things she said was always choose the worst job. And um, this is something I'm very aware of when I'm like divvying up chores with my kids. This doesn't come naturally to us. We all just want the easiest job and we want someone else to do that worst job. But we all have opportunities for this, uh, you know, a million times a day in our life, whether you're working or you're home with kids or um, you're, you're with friends or inside of your marriage. This is a tough thing to do. But I find um, if you kind of switch your perspective about it and look at it as a challenge, like what's the worst job and can I volunteer for it? Um you know, it, it really, you really, it becomes more of a habit for you. And you really do grow closer to Jesus through those moments where you actively choose the worst job. He taught us this, right? This goes back to the serving, right? Being a servant of others. You know, years ago, when I was in college, I went on this like spring break alternative um, down south in Appalachia. Do they say Appalachia? Appalachia? We said Appalachia. Okay. We're Northerners. Um, anyway, I went with a, a group of uh, college students and it was probably about 10 of us. And I'll never forget this one girl, Joanna, that I wasn't really friends with. I mean, I, we were, you know, we knew each other and we kind of got more friendly during this trip, but I didn't really know her very well. But one thing struck me during that trip and it stayed with me since was that she really did choose the worst jobs no matter what was going on. She was like the hardest working person I might have ever met. I'm sorry if you hear the dog barking behind me. This is real life in the Tiki Hut and the Welsh Terriers freaking out. Anyway, back to Joanna. She would always, this really struck me, like we'd spend a day, you know, working, I don't know, we, we would do different like cleanup jobs in this like really impoverished town. We'd go um, visiting people, doing different kinds of service projects, building projects. It was like physically exhausting work that we were doing every day during this trip. And at the end of the day, we would cook dinner together um, and certain ones of us would be in charge of cooking dinner. And then after dinner, it's like, you know, eight or nine o'clock at night and we were exhausted and there's a sink full of dishes to be washed. Well, I was so struck by the fact that Joanna would notice that and just get up and go do the dishes without making a big deal about it. But I noticed her doing that and it kind of shamed me at the time because 
I was so tired. Like there was just no way I was going to stand up and volunteer to be the one to do the dishes. And I've often thought of, I mean, sure, she was exhausted too, but she just had that habit of serving. And it really was a beautiful example for me. And I've remembered Joanna through the years and her example. And I've strived to do similarly, sometimes failing miserably, but um, strive to do similarly in inside of all the moments that God gives me in my life. And, you know, in family life, there are so many opportunities to choose the worst job, aren't there? And I know sometimes we moms, we just get stuck with the worst job. Um, and I, I understand that. And But just, you know, maybe if that's your case where you feel like I'm just getting it anyway, I don't even have a chance to choose it. This is my job, right? Um, maybe cultivating an opportunity of gratitude to be able to serve like Jesus did in, in those moments rather than, and I've done this, cultivating an attitude of resentment because nobody even appreciates the fact that I'm the only one who does X, Y, or Z, right? Um, you know, just yesterday at the beach, I, I had an opportunity to realize um, it's not just about doing dishes and, and those kind of grudge work, but like um, we were at the beach and we were parking two cars because there were so many of us. We were in multiple vehicles and um, Dan was going to go back and buy the little parking stickers. You know, you have to purchase a parking permit. And uh, we had already parked one of the cars, though, and somebody needed to stay with the car so that we wouldn't get a ticket, you know, during the, like the probably it would probably take him about 20 minutes to go and get the stickers and come back. And, you know, Dan just said, well, one person needs to stay with the car. And he was, he, as he was leaving. And in that little moment there, you know, everybody's thinking, do I want to stand next to this car in 95 degree heat? It was like, you know, noontime. Or do I want to walk down and get to the beach? Like, you know, nobody wanted to stand next to the car, but I saw that little opportunity and immediately said, I'll stay with the car, you know? And that doesn't mean I'm some kind of holy hero, but uh, it was a little triumph for me in recognizing that moment and rather than hesitating or, and I know I do this sometimes, giving the job to a kid, which can be very legitimate and it can be good for them too, but um, I just saw that opportunity to uh, serve my family in that way. And, it, you know, it's easy. It's simple. It's dumb. It's every day, right? This is everyday stuff. This is like nothing fancy, but this is really how we grow. This is how we can grow closer to Jesus by imitating him in these small ways, but doing it not in like, I have to do it kind of way, but in a deliberate choosing to do it because I love him so much, because I want to love and I want to serve and I want to grow closer to God kind of attitude. So that's the the, the next way is looking for the worst job and volunteering for it. And that's not my advice. That's from uh, St. Mother Teresa of Calcutta. So take it up with her if you're sick of it. Okay. All right. The last way that I want to mention is if you want to grow in everyday holiness, have you prayed about it? Have you asked God to help you grow in everyday holiness? Pray about it. Bring this to your prayer time. Ask God for the strength to grow in virtue. Ask God for the strength to listen to that little voice. Ask God for that little voice to speak loudly to you. Because the more I've cultivated this habit of listening to that little voice, the opportunity that you might have to hear God nudging you, like an opportunity to serve, an opportunity to um, offer up a, a sacrifice to God, an opportunity to take on the worst job out of, out of love and humility and um, a mission of service, that there's that little voice. And I, I find that the more I work on listening to it, the more I hear it. 
Yes, it gets that good. Um, the more you will hear those little opportunities. And, you know, life works this way. If you're not cultivating the habit of listening to that little nudge toward holiness that, you know, we all have if we're ready and willing to listen to it. If you're not praying to hear it better, then you're not. And you're not going to because life is so busy and distracting that you, you know, I'm not saying you're doing anything wrong, but you're not really open to the ways in which God might be calling you to grow closer to him and grow in holiness. And guess what? When you're living your life distracted like that, guess what voices you are subject to? Guess what voices um, you are going to be vulnerable to from the other side, right? Because we all know those voices too, those little nudges in the wrong direction. And when we hear them, we know them for what they are. I feel like it's really important to remember that when you're listening to your conscience or you're listening to whatever, you know, voice inside of your head that you're tempted to think comes from you, well, it doesn't, um, you know, that we, we need to get in the habit of immediately recognizing it because we do immediately recognize it. I think our initial response for the positive or for the negative, for whatever little urge you might feel or a little inkling or a little impulse toward some action or non-action, um, I think that our initial reaction to it, like that's a good thing or that's a bad thing, that's what you need to listen to. And, you know, bring this to your prayer time. Ask God to help you to grow in that everyday holiness that can come from listening to that little voice in positive ways, responding to those little nudges in the right direction. And, you know, it can be perfectly legitimate that sometimes you just don't. You know, I know um, many times I've ignored that little nudge in the right direction. And I and there are all kinds of reasons why we can justify it. Like, I'm tired. I'm the only one who ever does it. I'm, you know, I'm doing all of these things all day long. I deserve a break. All of those things. And that might be legitimate. But if you're feeling that little nudge, I want to urge you and encourage you to cultivate the habit of responding to it. So those are my five different tips for you of ways to grow in everyday holiness. First of all, look for ways to serve, pray your morning offering, talk to God all day, choose the worst job, and then pray for your growth in everyday holiness. But I bet you have some ideas that you can possibly share with us here at Girlfriends. And if you do, or if any of what I've shared here today has made you remember a story or an example of ways in which God has called you to grow in everyday holiness feel free to share it with me. You can always email me, danielle at daniellebean.com. There's a link to connect with me on, on Voxer in the show notes that are always available at ascensionpress.com. You click on podcasts and click on girlfriends and all of the show notes are there. So you can find out more that way. You can connect with me on Voxer or you can just record a voicemail and you can email it to me at danielle at daniellebean.com. You know, I love to hear from you. And maybe you have a question that you want to share with the girlfriends listeners. We've got a vast, vast audience of different perspectives. And I, I find that it's really interesting to think about polling this audience in different ways. And um, maybe I'm going to look for more formal ways to do that in the future. But for now, know that if you have um, a problem that you're struggling with, you can always email me and um, I'll share it with the listeners here or send us a voicemail and we can help you out. Or really, if you just have something that you want us to bring to prayer, Girlfriends is really a community of people that um, love and want to share and support each other inside of their call to Catholic womanhood in the various ways that we're all living that out. And I find that really encouraging. So take advantage of that and reach out and communicate with us at your community of girlfriends. 
I just want to take a moment to thank Ascension for partnering with me to bring you this podcast at ascensionpress.com. You'll find all kinds of resources for your personal spiritual growth, but also that will support your marriage, your kids, your family, and your parish in learning more about and loving your Catholic faith. You can check it all out at ascensionpress.com. And I want to mention that I am still booking speaking events for this fall. And if you think you or your parish or your women's group would like to have me come speak, or if you want to host my Your Worth It Retreat for Women, we had a great day in Concord, New Hampshire recently, you can go to daniellebean.com and find all that you need. Just click on either the speaking tab or the retreat tab, and you can get a form to fill out and request more information at daniellebean.com. Okay, well, speaking of questions from listeners, I want to share an email that I recently got from Grace. And here is what Grace shares. She says, Dear Danielle, I need some help with sleep training my kids. I don't even know if that's what you call what we need to do, but we need to do something. We have three girls, ages seven, five, and three, and they share a room which is large and nice and has a big girl bed for each of them with their favorite sheets and blankets and stuffed animals. But we see each of them in our room at least once a night sometimes several times each night. And that's if we try to bring them back, she says in parentheses. They say things like they need to go potty or they want to drink or they forgot something downstairs or that they're scared. Oh, we know this drill, don't we, girls? Uh, we They usually all wind up on our bed, which is a king, but it still doesn't leave much room. And I am just over it, all caps, over it. I can't sleep this way. And I think the tiredness is affecting the rest of my life. We have tried letting them cry and it's just too horrible. I'm not sure what to do, but if you can recommend a book or a program or something, we want to lovingly convince our girls to sleep in their own beds, but I'm not sure that's even possible. Thank you, Grace. Well, Grace, I'm pretty sure a lot of people were listening to that your email as I read it and were nodding their heads in commiseration, perhaps laughing a little bit, um, remembering those days gone by. Um, so, you know, first of all, you are not alone in this struggle. The sleep time, bedtime thing is a battle and some families suffer it worse than others. It sounds like um, you really have come to a place, um, you know, reading that you are just over it. And that you're absolutely right. I'm positive your lack of sleep is affecting the rest of your life. Sleep is so important. And for sure, we all have times where we do need to sacrifice sleep. But this sounds like an ongoing problem at your house. And I don't believe it has to be. It doesn't have to be. I mean, you know, some people, you know, um, physical illness and that sort of thing aside, once a kid's at a certain age they don't need to be coming in your room several times a night. You know, you, you mentioned sleep training and I'm not a sleep training expert, but it sounds like you have trained them to do this. I, I know I'm not blaming you, but I'm saying whatever you've done has set up that this is the norm in our household. This is how we handle nighttime. This is acceptable. And this is how you end up in mom and dad's bed. So I know there, there are all these like um, mommy wars sometimes if you if you go searching online and I don't recommend you do you can find all these mommy wars about sleep training and the pros and the cons and whether or not it's abusing your your baby to ever let them cry and and we're not even talking about babies here Grace so I mean you've got um, a three and a five and a um, a seven year old so for sure they are old enough to be sleeping in their own beds all night long and it sounds like you have reached a point perhaps in your marriage but at least personally where you've decided this cannot this cannot endure. So 
Um, I don't have a book or a program because we've never used a book or a program. But if listeners have stuff that they really felt worked well for them and their families, please let us know. Please reach out and help Grace out. Um, Share what resources worked for you for getting kids to sleep through the night or or untraining bad habits in nighttime. Um, But this is something where I've been all over the map about it. And I've never I've never been dogmatic about where kids sleep. I know sometimes it's like a whole parenting philosophy, the whole idea of the family bed or co-sleeping, baby wearing, all of that. But all of that aside, you know, I've always reserved the right to completely just adjust what our family's habits are according to what our needs are. Because for sure, there have been seasons in my life where I have embraced co-sleeping with babies, toddlers or otherwise, just because I want to get some sleep. And there have been times where I have refused, rejected the idea of co-sleeping with babies, toddlers or otherwise, because I just want to get some sleep. Um, I think getting some sleep is a priority here. And it definitely sounds like it is for you, Grace. So um, first of all, I would recommend, you know, your kids are old enough that you can talk with them about it and they are old enough to respond to positive reinforcement, a reward of some kind. And you might've tried this, but I'm going to recommend that you try it and try it in a small way, starting small, like a small success. Like if you have a kid who's getting up five times a night, (laughs) Maybe say, if you only get up once in the night, you'll get a sticker or you'll get this reward. Like make it an immediate next day reward for fewer times getting up and then just work from there. Um, you know, I, I don't, whatever, you know best, Grace, what motivates your kids. But having three girls that are close in age like that, I think it's likely that they're going to kind of feed off of each other in the response to whatever reward system you set up. And you have a great opportunity there to set up some really great positive reinforcement that they're going to respond to and maybe even get a little competitive about. Uh, or maybe like the younger ones are going to be looking up to the older one and she's going to be kind of setting the pace and setting the example here. So you have an opportunity to do that. And it might be an opportunity for you to talk with your five-year-old who is the leader of the gang, <laughs> your little gang of girls, and talk to her um, about the example that she's setting, about the opportunity she has to show them how to be a big girl, to show them what a big girl does. And, you know, set up your reward system, whatever it's going to be, in very small incremental um things like that, little goals that they can reach pretty readily and pretty easily and then work from there. Just keep positively reinforcing the fewer times getting up, the no times getting up, the no times getting up for two days, for three days until the glorious, like they don't think about it anymore. Okay. So that's my first recommendation. But then the second one, and this is what I did that worked beautifully for so many years, because we always seem to have kid or multiple kids who are kind of in that in-between phase, um, not a baby. And so I wasn't getting up in the night to feed them or anything, but they just kind of wanted this closeness. And I get it. Like, you know, we have this emotional connection with our kids and we don't ever want them to feel insecure or lonely or scared, especially in the middle of the night. We want to reassure them and give them that security. So I was kind of conflicted, you know, especially when I had kids and um, one of my daughters in particular did this like epically like every single night coming in our room for no particular reason but she just kind of wanted that closeness and it's sweet and you know you know when she's in college she's probably not going to be doing this so you kind of have that in your head like this is sweet and I should be embracing it but I just actually want to get a few hours sleep because tomorrow's going to be a long hard day um so understanding that um this is what I recommend and this worked beautifully for us for years we just put a crib mattress 
on the floor in our room with a sheet on it, a pillow, a blanket, whatever, nothing fancy. We just put it on the floor at the foot of our bed. Um, When our bed was set up in a different angle, we put it on the side of our bed, whatever, whatever works for you. But it's not a bed, okay? It's just a mattress, a crib mattress that you put on the floor. So it doesn't take up much room. You can move it easily in the morning if you don't want to leave it there all the time. And then I let the kids know, especially the ones who were likely to be getting up in the middle of the night, when you get up and you want to come into our room, that's fine. You are allowed to do that. You want to be close with us or you're feeling lonely and, you know, whatever it is that's motivating you, you can come in our room, but you're not to wake us up. Um, and this bed is here for you uh, to sleep in. So you can come in and you can go to sleep near mommy and daddy and you can feel safe and secure and you know that we love you and you don't have to be lonely. And that amazingly worked beautifully um, for multiple of my children. But one of my daughters in particular just got in the habit of doing that. And I thought, um, you know, it, it was great because still, you know, it would, she probably would come in or whoever it was that came in would come in like two or three in the morning generally. And I, I'd gotten, maybe I got to where I just heard the door and it it didn't bother me or I just slept through it. Anyway, did not minimal disturbance in this, you know, then the child can just go and sleep on the mattress, which is prepared for them, which I think gives them that feeling of welcome and love and security. But they're not in your bed. They're not in your face. Their feet aren't in your face, you know, at four o'clock in the morning, which we all know that feeling. Um, But so that worked out great. And it sounds like, you know, maybe a crib mattress won't do it for you. If you think you're going to end up with three little girls in your room, um, maybe you need to put a, a slightly larger mattress on your floor or, you know, but I found that that was like a happy solution for us for many years where, Um, It wasn't disturbing to me. And, you know, like, especially if you've got kids who are going to bed in your bed before you get to bed, that's the worst because then you're sacrificing that private time with your husband. Um, I felt like this never was that kind of compromise. And a lot of times I was just surprised, like, oh, look who's here in the morning. And they hadn't disturbed me at all. But they, you know, we met that need in the middle of the night for them to feel welcome and loved and secure. And um, I found that was such a great compromise. And, our crib mattress is put away now. Nobody uses it. Um, but it really did come to a, a place where, you know, the, they were using it less and less. And then all of a sudden one day I thought, oh, hey, I can pack this thing up. Um, so you will get there. But that is my recommendation. I, I found that really worked well for our family. But listeners probably have some ideas about what worked for them in the sleep wars. Let's not call them wars. The sleep struggles. <laughs> because we've all gone through this. This is a very common problem. Um, so if you have something that worked for you, you can send me a voicemail about it or email me, danielle at daniellebean.com. I would love to share it with Grace in a future episode of Girlfriends. Okay, that's all the time we have for today. The sun is now shining into my little corner of the Tiki Hut and it feels like about a thousand degrees here, but I'm feeling good about it because I'm looking and I've got my clothes on the line and they too are in the sunshine. So feeling very happy at the end of this week's show. But I just want to take a moment and thank you for being here. Thank you for listening. Thank you for being a part of the community of the Girlfriends Podcast. Your presence here truly is a gift to me and to others who are listening. And know that I am praying for you. I pray for the listeners of the Girlfriends Podcast every week. And I'm so grateful for the fact that you're listening and that you're supporting in all the ways you support Girlfriends. So thank you for that. And until next time, I hope you enjoy your day and God bless your week. 
Girlfriends is a collaboration between DanielleBean.com and Ascension, the leader in Catholic faith formation. 